Let's rock. Hello, yes, Dan Eisen here. This is the master of Tiger Style, Lee Moriarty, Dominic Carini. This is Trey Lamar. This is Zoe Sky. This is Nick fucking Gage. This is Bobby Beverly, and you're listening to the IWTV Guide Podcast. Welcome back to another episode of IWTV Guide on a Tear. Today, I am joined by one of the owners of PPW Paradigm Pro Wrestling, Gary J. Wilson. What's going on, man? I'm doing well. You know, we're down here in Louisville. It's about 70 and sunny. I think summer's just right around the corner. Things things are going pretty well. How are you? Uh, Freezing and cold and uh, miserable. (laughs) Hey, hey, Ohio. That's that's. (laughs) <laughs> what you guys are known for up north right this is true i think that's why we all have attitudes most of the year so <laughs> that and the browns most years yeah most of you i'm hoping that changes like we had a pretty good year last year if, if we can keep that up this year i'd be real happy at least my boss is a big browns fan so anything that makes him happy makes my life easier so i'm good with that i'm not real big into the football anymore but i pay attention I'm kind of the same way. I, I pay attention as well. And, you, you know, from some of our rosters, we've got a lot up in Cleveland. Uh, Brown's hysteria was pretty good this year. Yeah, yeah. It. Uh, I'm, I'm hoping uh, for big things for them. That'd be really great. Like I've always said, like, I'm, just, I'm not a big Browns guy, but I'd like to see them win a Super Bowl in my lifetime just because it'd be really cool to see. So If we could get that or the Indians winning a World Series. I am a Cleveland Indians fan. Okay. I'm still sour over the ending of the world series with the cubs you know it, it was almost like a dusty finish like they had the game one then there's that rain delay and then all the momentum swung i'm still bitter <laughs> yes if you could uh put it into wrestling terms that works perfectly now i understand exactly what you mean <laughs> <laughs> so how did you get into promoting let's let's jump into this uh how did that all start for you uh so i've been a wrestling fan for pretty much my whole life um growing up my dad had one of those uh scrambler boxes so you could watch like different pay-per-views um and stuff like that for free illegally it's okay. beyond the statute of limitation so i can talk about it now <laughs> right um so one of my earliest memories of like wrestling generally was uh hulk hogan versus uh the undertaker at this tuesday in texas and i believe uh hogan got the belt back on that show um but, like, I was just kind of, I loved it. You know, I was entranced by the characters and everything else going with it, the athleticism of it. Um, my fandom really started to peak a little bit later in the 90s um, with uh, when I learned of the UWFI, which I'm sure we'll talk about a little bit later. Uh, but that, the Sting and NWO angle. Um, and I'd say I've been watching it for pretty much my whole life since then. Um, fascinated by it. I did do some wrestling training and wrestled briefly for a while because I had this idea in my mind that I was going to do it myself. Um, I was terrible, um, <laughs> and I'm a much better promoter than I am ever was a wrestler. Um, so it was a more natural transition, um, I think, to go into promoting. I'd always been interested in promoting, uh, and the opportunity arose, and I just kind of took it and I run, ran with it, um, and it's been hell of a roller coaster yeah uh how long has ppw been around for so we were started in 2017 we were originally known as prodigy pro wrestling um and essentially there was a group of us that all attended shows uh at iwa mid-south uh down here in this area together and we got the opportunity well one of us got the opportunity to kind of take over creative for another company uh, whose name i honestly don't even remember but that kind of fell through um, but we just decided to kind of go with it, run with it, and that's where Prodigy Pro Wrestling was born. Um, and then we rebranded formally, so we were still PPW then, but we rebranded as Paradigm Pro Wrestling in, I want to say, uh, April or May of 2018. Okay. Um, so, you know, we've been around for about four years. Um, it, it doesn't feel like that long. You know, there's days when it feels like we just started, you know, last week. But we think about some of the stuff that happened on our shows in 2017 and 2018, and it's like, oh, man, we really didn't know what we were doing then. Not to say we know what we're doing now, but we've got more of an idea. Of what and uh, how how has it been with that? Um, you So you, we kind of talked about, you mentioned the UWFI rules. So when, when that first came up, uh, how did you kind of bring that to uh, everybody? Was that something that you just like personally thought would work or was it going to be a one-off thing or how did that kind of come about? 
So, yes and yes. Um, I've been wanting to run a shoot-style show since before I was a promoter. Uh, that was the style of wrestling I really first just really connected with. So going back to that cable box my dad had, there used to be something called the Barker Channel. I want to say it was like Channel 4, and it would just run previews of coming attractions, pay-per-views that were coming up. And my dad and I watched a lot of boxing. Um, so I would just watch it sometimes to see what fights were coming up or see what was happening or movies I should watch. Because, uh, you know, this is before DVR, so if you wanted to watch something, you really had to, like, plan it out. Right. Um, and a commercial for a UWFI North American pay-per-view caught my attention. And the tagline of the pay-per-view was, it's real, it's real. Um, and they showed it, and it didn't look like regular pro wrestling. It looked like a fight. And you got to remember, this is the, the time before MMA uh, was really a thing, before mm-hmm. it even existed. Uh, so I was intrigued by that, so... My dad recorded the pay-per-view for me. I watched it, and I fell in love, and I've always just kind of connected with that. I am a huge, huge MMA fan as well. Um, I'd say my MMA fandom at times rivals or exceeds my pro wrestling fandom, um, and, and I've been an MMA fan since you know UFC 1, through the dark ages even, um, and I'm like, I consume all aspects of MMA, like from the Japanese promotions, Pride, Dream. Uh, risen now like I, I love all of it and i always liked the ones that really kind of showcased the pro wrestling side of things mm-hmm. like that made this transition like if you watch an old pride fc show or you watch an old strike force show like you can tell that they watched a lot of pro wrestling right and i love mm-hmm. that aspect because i always thought to me that there's there's not a huge difference between mma and pro wrestling um you know I, i'll go tinfoil hat for a second the only real difference is pro wrestling admits their finishes are worked right um i say that kind of as a joke but you watch some old (laughs) mma fights and you wonder yeah yeah um (laughs) so i i I just loved that and so i i'd been wanting to run it since we started and i kind of took incremental steps to get there uh because everything i heard was this isn't gonna work this can't work it's impossible it's not gonna draw or be the wrestlers that work today style can't do it. You know, the UWFI, they all had special training. Um, it's just impossible. You're going to lose a ton of money if you do this. So I listened to that and I almost did it. Our first heavy hitters tournament was more of a strong style tournament. But as we were putting that show together, this would have been February of 2019, I believe. I was like, man, what if I just took out pinfall? You know, knockout or submission. Mm-hmm. I didn't do that. I didn't do that because I thought with some of the people I had booked that maybe pinfalls would add to the story. Uh, But I've never been a big fan of pinfalls because to me it doesn't feel like a satisfying finish for a pro wrestling match. Like, I want to see two guys fight until one of them can't fight anymore, right? Like in Mm -hmm. MMA. You know, there's a more conclusive ending. There's none of the roll-up finish stuff. Right. Um, So we didn't pull the trigger there, but we did that strong style tournament, and that was our first show to kind of get some, for lack of a better phrasing, because it's indie wrestling and nothing is mainstream, but for lack of a better phrase, some mainstream buzz, um, like where we got some people talking about us, some people watching us. And I'm like, all right, well, that kind of works. I kind of went in that direction. Um, What if we do a little bit more? Um, So in May of that year, we actually ran a match uh, under Pride FC rules with Dominic Garini and Freddie Hudson. To see, you know, can this work to shoot stuff work? Um, I loved that match. We had Freddie uh, come out to the Rockies because obviously Dom was going to kick his ass. And then Dom proceeded to kick his ass for 15 <laughs> minutes. But, you know, he got in that one spot before the end of the first round where he has Dom locked in a rear naked choke. But, the you know, the bell for the round saves Dom. But other than that, it's just, you know, Dom lighting him up with everything because Dom's amazing. I loved that match. Um, it's on IWTV on a show called live through this. If anybody's curious about one of our historical oddities, um, but it, it's really kind of debatable if it worked or not. Um, and at the time we were also kind of leaning heavily into hardcore wrestling because that was what was drawing for us. So we kind of moved more in that direction and the idea faded for a minute, but finally I was just kind of bored at home one night on Twitter and Tweeting is what has led directly to some of my best booking ideas and worst ones. (laughs) And I just tweeted out, uh, you know, an image of the old UWFI logo. And I'm like, hey, if we ran a UWFI rule show, would you be interested? Would you come? Uh, And who would you want to see in it? And at the time, uh, it was actually, it became our highest performing tweet ever. And this is a tweet that was sent out like probably midnight, 1 a.m. 
on like a Thursday, on a weeknight. So not at a well-optimized time. Nobody's tagged. There's no reason for this tweet to perform well unless there's actually some interest in it. Mm-hmm. Um, and it performs super, super well. And, you know, concurrently, the same thing that's happening is it was Matt Riddle's blood sport at the time. But those shows are happening. Uh, people are getting reintroduced to shoot style. And I really enjoyed those shows. And I'm like, all right, maybe there is a possibility. Um, and I love Bloodsport. Bloodsport is great, really entertaining. It's probably, you know, we're most similar to that product in the marketplace, I'd say, in the U.S. Indies. But to me, I missed Rope Break, as weird as that sounds, because that was a big part of the storytelling in the UWFI. And Bloodsport has no rope, so obviously they don't have that aspect. But Rope Breaks can help keep things fast-paced. You know, it can break up a grappling sequence. And to me, it can mean make a fight you know between a striker and a grappler a lot more even right because mm-hmm. if the striker gets caught they can still grab a rope and get out of it so i really wanted to explore that aspect of it um so i just kind of ran with it um and i'm like all right we're going to do this and i started reaching out to some people that uh twitter had mentioned that they wanted to see um you know the first people i talked to were dominic Graney. obviously he was a given um twitter asked for eric stevens uh, and I had been a fan of Eric Stevens during the Ring of Honor days, uh, but I didn't honestly know a whole lot about you know him since he'd come back. But mm-hmm. Twitter asked for him, so I reached out to him. He was very interested. Um, Anthony Henry was another guy uh, who I think just got signed to a developmental contract. Um, and people had asked for him, and he used to do MMA, so I reached out to him. He said yes. Um, and believe it or not, originally this was just going to be this little one-off show. We were going to do this eight-man tournament. Um, wasn't going to spend a ton of money on it. It was going to be like just a prototype for see if this can work or not. Right. At the same time, concurrently to all this, Black Label Pro announces UFC Hall of Famer Stefan Bonner for Slamilton, which is the day after uh, when our show is scheduled. Slamilton is scheduled for November 16th, and we're running on November 15th. Um, and that's not accidental. It just worked out that we were going to be sharing a lot of the same talent. So we booked the Friday before um, to save on some transportation costs for some guys that were coming in from out east. So I hit up Mikey, the promoter for Black Label Pro, and I'm like, yo, I don't want to step on any toes here, but can I reach out to Stefan Bonner? Uh, and he's like, yeah, I don't care. He gave me his phone number. Because, um, you know, we're Black Label Pro and us are in the same state, but we're, you know, four and a half, five hours away. So right. not exactly the same market. Um, so I reach out to Bonner and Bonner's really intrigued by it, but like his flight's already been booked. He's got to be in Florida the day before it's going to be seemingly impossible to get Bonner on this show, but he's like, you know what? I want to do this. So we're going to figure it out. And he quoted me an extremely reasonable price for someone of his his stature because he was intrigued and wanted to do it. Mm -hmm. Um, and so we add him to the card. Um, and let me just briefly go into a, a side item of, how he got there he had to fly in a span of about a day he this man flew from florida to las vegas back to where he lives in las vegas but he had a show or appearance in florida so he had to fly from florida back to vegas up to chicago because that's where his flight for black label pro was um and then rent a car and drive five hours to make the show oh wow and he did that all within the same day wow <laughs> so like you know that's when people talk about wrestlers complain about trans or travel or getting out of this guy main evented in front of 40,000 people in Rio de Janeiro. Like if you want it bad enough, you can make it happen. Mm-hmm. Um, so he gets there and it's really kind of really good sustained buzz for us. The show happens. Um, it blows away every expectation I had for it. Um, I, I still think it's perhaps the best show we've ever done. The 2019 fighting spirit heavyweight grand prix. And we just love it. And we're like, all right, we can do this again next year. You know, we'll, we'll make it an annual thing. But the show wasn't live streamed because at the time nobody really knew or cared who we were, to be completely honest, outside of this area. You know, we drew okay in this area, but we didn't have, you know, any sort of sustained uh, IWC su- support or interest. But it starts getting some of that. Like the reputation for the show kind of grows and people keep asking us for more UWFI sh- matches. And we're just like, all right, let's just put one on a card randomly and see what happens. Like, see, can we mix this style in with regular wrestling and have it still be at least coherent enough to work? You know, if people want more of this style, we like it too. Let's see. So February of 2020, um, we run a show called Southern Indiana Cadillac Combat. 
And one of the matches is Dominic Guarini versus Flash Thompson, who ends up becoming kind of a, a mainstay for us. But at the time, Flash was mainly known as like for his heel character. Um, and a lot of people didn't realize that he had a legit shooter background. This is a guy that, you know, was an Indiana Golden Gloves champion, fought MMA and King of the Cage. Like, Flash is the real deal. But his character is so uh, colorful that a lot mm-hmm. of people didn't realize it. So they go and they just have a hell of a fight. Um, and we're like, all right. All right, this is going to work. We're going to be the company that does UWFI now. People like it. Um, we're going to figure this out. Of course, then the pandemic happens and the world shuts down. <laughs> um, but one of the cool things that happens at that time is IWTV starts uh, showing old shows. And one of them that they show is uh, for May Madness. They start showing all these what they call their best tournaments in their library. And they feature the Fighting Spirit Heavyweight Grand Prix. Uh, and that gets some more interest. Um, and around the same time as that happening, um, we decide that we've moved the heavy hitters tournament, which was originally going to be March of 2020. And we're like, all right, we're just going to throw a ton of UWFI on there uh, when we can reopen in July. And, you know, it's gotten over. It's drawn well for us. Um, I, I'd say a large part. It's not the only thing that's drawn interest for us, but it has played a big part in, you know, us getting kind of some buzz outside of Kentucky and, uh, um, and just kind of being in the right place at the right time. Yeah, it's. Uh, I remember first hearing about uh, PPW because Justice and Bev were champs there, and he had mentioned it to me at one point at a show uh, that I saw him at, and I kind of like tried to pay attention here and there when I could. If I saw something, you know, I'd watch it. And then uh, July of last year, we actually covered um, the Fighting Spirit. Uh, grand prix on on um iwtv guide so at that point you guys had my attention and i i really enjoyed it and uh obviously you know you're gonna feature guys like dom and and uh the bev and stuff like that two of my favorite people to watch wrestle so i'm gonna pay attention to a company that does that and then i've learned about so many other guys from like indiana and and that area and like that are really like blowing up now so it's been really great to see um this kind of come around and uh I, I really enjoy the uwfi stuff and like i think one of the first things we talked about when we review that was that we didn't fully understand the the rules that they were they seemed a little complicated but like you guys took that and you made like a really great um breakdown of everything and like a little almost like a music video with like the old style music had somebody like read over everything and i think that that like really hit it home like it really kind of made it easier to digest and uh and that helped with it and then like your commentators really started uh like you got some good commentators that were able to really like focus on that kind of stuff and really make it easier to digest as well as far as like you know what the rules are and like what could possibly happen and kind of playing out scenarios and stuff like that and i thought that was really smart to have like a really good um commentary team because commentaries make or break for a lot of like indie wrestling like sure. if, if commentary is not good i won't watch it because i need good commentary to go with what's going on they are certainly the unsung heroes kind of of ppw because we put them through hell too man with some marathon tapings which i'm sure we'll talk about a little bit later but we're like yeah we're gonna do 36 matches tonight and we need you to call all of them um <laughs> cool you know things like that you know we had a couple guys lose their voices even uh at our last set of tapings and they they really uh, they love mma as well so i think they really were kind of drawn into the style and you know there was a learning curve for everybody with a explaining the rules Uh, the best comparison i always use for people that are like man uwfi rules are so complicated they're not they're just different because if you think like traditional pro wrestling rules are actually kind of complicated too Mm -hmm. like titles don't change hands on dqs like how how would you know that unless you watch wrestling right it's just people are used to the formula and i kind of figured that would be the case with uwfi rules like people would just grasp it and get more of a hang of it as they watched more of it and that just kind of repetition would be key there People get really, really caught up in the point system. And I'm like, man, if you watch the old UWFI, if you watch us, yeah, a match can envy a points, but it doesn't happen often. You know, it's like a count out finish. Like, yeah, it can happen, but again, not often. Yeah, I believe the first one for that to happen was uh, actually Bev um, beat somebody by points. So it, it was. Um, 
And we made a point to do a points finish because people kept asking for it. But, you know, you watch the old UWFI stuff. It's hard to find a points finish. They, they occurred, but they were few and far between. But the, the points are there. Basically, I feel like it's a storytelling device for, A, why the guys are fighting the way they are, mm-hmm. and B, why they're not cheating. Right. Because we don't do disqualifications. So there has to be some form of punishment for them. Right. Um, you know, if they break a rule. So it, it serves its end. But I, I think the, the points system is probably the largest disconnect for, you know, a casual viewer, which is why I always try to stress, like, if you're going to watch it, like, don't worry so much about the points. The commentary will tell you when it's important. You know, we'll tell you if it matters. Right. Otherwise, just watch it and you know, watch for a knockout or a submission because that's how 99% of these are going to end. So how did terminal combat become a thing then? Uh, can you, can you jump into that a little bit? Uh, sure. Um, so a bad idea on my part. Uh, well, who knows? It might be great. (laughs) I think Uh, it's a great idea. It sounds dope. Uh, I mean, to me, it sounds great. So I love the concept of it and people either hear it and they're like, that's the dumbest fucking thing I've ever heard or that's brilliant. Um, so we'll see in execution because, you know, we haven't done one yet. The first one's going to be May 21st. Uh, but so back at the 2020 Fighting Spirit Heavyweight Grand Prix, um, you know, we get reported on a decent amount because I send out press releases and things of that nature. And I had sent one out advertising a UWFI rule super fight. And Wrestling Observer or something got lost in translation. And they reported it as a UWFI rules street fight. And they're like... That can't happen. That's a contradiction in terms. <laughs> and I'm like, bet, Dave Meltzer, bet. Like, I bet you I can make that happen. Um, <laughs> so I was trying to think of ways that I could make it happen. And what made most sense to me was you time it. All right. So our average UWFI rules fight is about four and a half minutes. So we'll have a five minute period. You know, you got five minutes to win the match traditionally, or rather traditionally for our style, traditionally under UWFI rules. And if the match isn't over by then, you can just do whatever the hell you want. Um, you know, there's still going to be no pinfalls, uh, but it's going to be hardcore rules uh, with knockout and submission finishes after five minutes. That's exciting. I feel like I would almost want to see them not do enough or like have somebody just not uh, like hold them down to the point till they get to that five minutes so they can just use a chair on the person. I feel like somebody's just going to be crazy enough to be like, no, I'm just going to hold you on the ground for five minutes, and then I'm going to smash your face in with a chair. Yeah, that's what Jody and uh, Bradley Prescott have said, that they're just going to drink until the UWFI rules portion is over, and then they'll have a hardcore match. Oh, my God, um, yes. <laughs> but, like, I find it like intriguing from like a fan standpoint too, because you don't know ahead of time which matches are going to go past the five minutes. This is true. And what I feel like is pretty great about the UWFI style is that a five-minute match doesn't necessarily feel short. I don't feel like people think they're shortchanged when they see a five-minute five UWFI match because their guys are hitting so hard, they're going so fast, they're doing so much in that five minutes that like I don't think there's going to necessarily be that feeling of letdown if it's if that doesn't happen, but you don't know which matches there's going to be. Right. And I'm excited for some of the storytelling possibilities there. Yeah, that's uh, w- once that kind of opened up, I think the first thing we kind of, uh, me and my co-host kind of mentioned was like, oh man, uh, let's see who would that work for? Uh, Matt Justice, and we're like, and Bev, and then we started naming off people, and we're like, this could just be really a really fun like aspect to add to this on top of everything else. So like, uh, that's, that's awesome. I, I really can't wait to, to see it. I'm excited as well. Um, we had to make some general changes to how we were going to tell that story. Cause the original idea was that terminal combat was just going to be a match stipulation for one match. And what was going to give birth to it was our heavy hitters championship can only be defended under, uh, hardcore rules or UWFI rules. So we were actually going to have, um, People trade the title. All right. One guy wins in hardcore. Then the other guy wins in UWFI rules. They trade it back and forth for a month. And it's like, all right, how do we blow this off? Terminal combat. Right. Where they're going to have to do both. Right. But then I'm like, I kind of fell in love with the concept. So we'll see if I I tend to do things to excess. Um, So I'm like, what if it was just a whole show of that? And what if I booked 13 matches of that? (laughs) Well, I feel like even if you... (laughs) that that's just a step further for uwfi because i feel like you still have that but then you also have that hardcore aspect i feel like that's in its uh, in and of itself is like 
almost better than just uwfi because then you then it's like okay you could still get these crazy knockouts and these crazy submissions or you're going to get some crazy hardcore halfway through and like if it goes further than that i think that's great i feel like that could almost be its own thing on its own like as like almost uh like its own show and instead of just just uwfi if it was like terminal combat non-stop for those so that you have that additional that's that's awesome i love it I think it's great. It, well, if it works, uh, it'll be like anything else I do in promoting. If it works one time, I will do it another hundred times. <laughs> um, so if it works, uh, you'll see more of it. I could see it being used kind of as a standalone match stipulation uh, at different times. Uh, it certainly being an annual event, um, you know, if, if it works. I think it's going to work. Just, Honestly, it, it's it, gonna be, it'll be a train wreck either way. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I... <sighs> I'm pretty genuine when it comes to like match stipulations. If something sounds like too out there, like I'm going to be weary of it. This actually sounds like for what you're doing, it makes sense. I think it's going to work just fine. If they like UWFI, they're going to like this because the heavy hitters tournament was a mix of that. And that did really well. And I feel like that, that show flowed really great because you had that mix of hardcore and then, Oh, here's like a, you know, four minute match in between this. And then you switch back to hard. Well, this match is under hardcore. And then you got some of that stuff. I think that's going to work. I think that, yeah, it's going to work. You're, this is going to be a thing for you. I I can already feel it. <laughs> I, I hope so. I, I hope so. Um, I mean, we'll see. We're trying a whole lot right now. We've got a really ambitious schedule planned. Uh, we've got a show. Um, it's Saturday from when this is being filmed, Pawcade uh, in Salem, Indiana, which is a benefit show for the animal shelter. We've got Terminal Combat in May. We're doing a middleweight UWFI tournament in June. Uh, we're coming to Columbus, Ohio in later in June. Um, and then July it looks like it's not definitive yet, but it looks like we're running two shows in July as well outside of our home market potentially. And, you know, maybe the heavy hitters three, uh, shortly thereafter. So we're going to try and do more shows in the next three ish months than we were able to do all of last year. Um, so we'll see. Yeah. I think that there's, um, as it as it warms up and like that kind of stuff too and like people getting the vaccine i think it's it's gonna be everybody's gonna want to go out and do stuff like i know i'm itching like there's a bunch of shows like aiw has their two shows i already got my tickets for that uh there's uh some shows running in pa the following month i'm looking at getting tickets for those i'm i'm wanting to make a trip out to paradigm and like i just got to find the right uh the right time to do it because i won't drive by myself even though i probably wouldn't have a problem doing that uh, i just get too bored in the car by myself i drove i drove to uh rochester from my place it was like four and a half hours and it was the worst four and a half hours of my life i can't drive that long by myself it's just miserable <laughs> i feel you it's probably Sellersburg, our home venue, is probably you're near Youngstown, right? Yeah, it's probably five ish hours. Uh, maybe you can just hop in the car with Bev sometime. That's what I'm thinking. Uh, uh, I just got to get with him and like kind of work it out, and make sure you know it's not a full car and that kind of thing. And eventually, yeah, that's my goal is to definitely come out and check it out because I've been wanting to since like last year, and it just with how everything kind of is, it's like I didn't want to risk it, and then I got sick last year, and. uh so I didn't do a whole lot of anything. I didn't even go to the AIW shows that, that happened last year, late last year. And so I just, I'm, now I really have the itch because I haven't been to anything in a long time. So Sure. No, I, I get it. Um, and we'll be coming to Ohio in June, um, Columbus, which probably closer to you. Um, and if that works, we will be in Ohio again. Um, we've got good working relationships with uh, kind of all the major players in Ohio. Mm-hmm. so it's not us trying to take over territory anything like that it's more just uh we sell a lot of tickets to people from ohio um anyway and part of that was probably the pandemic because you guys wrestling was shut down for you yeah. but a fun tidbit is that heavy hitters too sold more tickets to the state of ohio than any other state <laughs> including indiana and kentucky wow you know where we're based out of because we for people that don't know the geography here sellersburg indiana is a suburb of louisville kentucky and it actually outsold uh indiana and kentucky combined that's crazy so we had we were on a capacity limit we could only sell 125 tickets for that show uh but i want to say 60 of them came from the state of ohio 
Yeah, I was looking at them uh, at that time, and I just I didn't pull the trigger. But uh, it's gonna happen. I'll definitely be at a show. I think this year, uh, somehow, some way. So um, I'm excited for that because I, I like uh, my buddy um, Justin has really pushed um, going to different wrestling shows that are outside of like your normal like stuff if you're a wrestling fan. And so we've been to Black Label Pro a handful of times. I think I actually went to Black Label Pro like three times last year. Um, that we do, I've done that. Uh, I've gone to different places. We went down to where else have I gone? I've gone to like West Virginia on a day trip to go see wrestling, just stuff like that. So like, it's it's on my like my list. It's just that it's just that five hour reach of like ah, it's just enough that I don't want to make that daily like a constant trip. But I mean, now I get it. The Black Label Pro Trip is also like six hours for me, five hours for my buddy from where he <laughs> lives. So like we hit that and then we literally drive right back. So it's it's one of those twenty four hour trips for me usually. Like I don't get home in bed until almost like hour twenty three. So well, you come stay down south and you can get a cheap hotel room. Um, you could probably make a weekend of it because we have a million promotions down here, um, and we all run on top of each other accidentally sometimes. <laughs> um, so, you know, just saying. Um, but no, I, I love Ohio wrestling, too. You, you guys are kind of spoiled where you're at. One of the, you know, main reasons I got kind of back into indie wrestling, because I won't say that I ever fell out of love with it. I grew up going to indie shows, but I stopped watching them for a while. Was I was actually going to graduate school up in Cleveland, Ohio, and I started going to AIW uh, shows. Then this would have been, you know, between like 2013, 2014, that time period i believe um and it kind of reinvigorated my love for it and you guys have got a really great scene up there and have had for years you know gargano like used to be on every show i went to which is kind of crazy to think about in hindsight right <laughs> that's what i think like i remember seeing him at almost every show i went to for, for like this long span and i'm <laughs> like oh I, I don't think i ever got an autograph from him i don't i never like i talked to him maybe a handful of times so i'm like oh he'll always be around and then it's like oh he's on wwe and then he gets signed and i'm like oh so i'll never see him again now <laughs> <laughs> no exactly uh you guys have got a, a great scene up there in Ohio. Um, so that kind of like kind of pushed me a little bit further, you know, into getting back into indie wrestling mm -hmm. and really enjoying it. Cause you know, that was my first exposure to what I'd also call the super indie style. Um, because, you know, down in Southern Indiana where I went to undergrad, there was plenty of indie wrestling, but it was more Memphis based. Mm -hmm. Um, and kind of growing up, uh, South Bend was an old, uh, Dick, the bruiser territory. So it was more promoted in that kind of mentality. So, which is very, you know, very, very different than, than what you'd see on a super indie show. Um, so, I mean, I, I got a lot of love for AIW and Ohio wrestling generally. I mean, you could probably tell from where we've got a ton of Ohio <laughs> natives on our roster. Yeah. Uh, so I had somebody ask, uh, when I told them I was going to be interviewing you, they, they asked a question about would the no hook storylines be canon and other PPW projects. So is that stuff going to carry over? Do you know? Uh, yeah, probably, maybe we don't. So you and I talked about this a bit before we went on air. We got to figure out continuity, um, to really decide that the tentative plan is to kind of, yes, it's all Canon, but it's going to be released in kind of a Marvel universe type release schedule, meaning that it might not all be released chronologically. Um, so from a logistical standpoint, what happened was, so we get shut down, you know, the state of Indiana shuts back down, uh, late November of last year. And we decided we want to start filming some content. Uh, so we do the UWFI rules, uh, season one, mm -hmm. and we do the pilot for no hook. Those both go real well. Those are both filmed in December. Um, so we decided we're going to do a full season of no hook in January. That also goes well. And then we just, we filmed season two and season of no hook and UWFI contenders shortly thereafter. Um, and then we've filmed other content in that as well. Um, so we have a ton of, we have a ton of content right now. And cause we were planning for the long haul. We didn't know when we'd be able to come back. Right. Um, and we wanted to get as much people were hungry to work as part of it. People, you know, were hitting us up from all over wanting to work. And, you know, we, we had a facility where we could make it happen. So we decided, you know, we're not going to stand in the way we can put up, put together some content. Um, so we did, and we've got great, wonderful content. Uh, no Hook Season 2 is amazing. Um, I can't wait for people to see it. Uh, I think the rest of UWFI Contender Season 2 is pretty great as well. 
I'm excited for people to see that as well. Um, but then we ran into the, all right, so we've got shows coming up again in person. Um, where are we going to be at chronologically? Um, <laughs> you know, as far as feuds and stuff like that go. So it gets complicated. Uh, the best comparison we've been making in group chat is when WCW used to film worldwide um, and they'd film it, you know, three, four months at a time. Uh, so the long, that's the long answer. The brief answer is yes, probably. I, I, I think the, the best thing for that, uh, like I, I how they're kind of handling it. I think we don't know like what the matches are for AIW for these two shows coming up and they, with the show running right now, uh, as well, um, go for broke. So we don't know like if anything's going to interact. I think that's like a fun thing. Sure. sure. I, I wish we were in a position too, where we could be like AIW, and maybe we are, but I don't have the balls that Thorne does to do it, where we're like, here's a show. We're not going to announce any matches. Okay, now it's sold out. Uh, <laughs> I, we've not never quite had something like that happen for us. So I've always been in the mindset of announce everything that you can um, because you never know if it'll sell a ticket or not. Right. I don't. We've done surprises, but I tend to hate them from a promoter standpoint because if I'm going to bring somebody in um, with the yeah, hope that he sells tickets – I'm sure as hell going to advertise. Right. Exactly. Yeah. That's, that's one of those things. Like I've kind of been trying to learn about promoting, um, just offhand stuff. Like, uh, for it to make sense in my head, like when certain stuff happens in, in indie wrestling. And so like, that's like one of the things like, yeah, you could have this big surprise, but is it worth it if you could get more tickets out of announcing it ahead of time? So it's, I see, I see the argument for both sides. Like you should come because you never know what's going to happen on the other side. It's like, ah, this guy was announced. He probably could have sold like 50 more tickets. So exactly. Um, the, and one time I was at an indie show in Sandusky, Ohio, actually, this would have been in 2010 and Tommy dreamer was an unannounced surprise. Uh, this was for hybrid wrestling, which was a great promotion, by the way, if anybody, they've got some stuff on YouTube, definitely look them up. Uh, I want to say Marion Fontaine was their champion there. Marion Fontaine is like the greatest human being to ever walk God's earth. That's another story. But uh, they had Tommy Dreamer there for uh, dressed up as uh, Christian. Now, what was Ricky Champage's other gimmick? Christian Faith. Christian Faith. Dressed as Christian Faith, coming out like he's Christian Faith. Then he unmasked him as Tommy Dreamer. And I'm like, why the hell would this promotion that just drew 60 fans not announce Tommy Dreamer? Right. Um the show was great, incidentally. That's no knock on those shows because the shows, the talent on there was exceptional. Uh, one of the best indie shows I've been to. But I, I will never understand how Tommy Dreamer was just an unannounced surprise. Yeah, that's wild. That, <laughs> the finances of it don't make a whole lot of sense to me. But I, I'll give you an industry secret. A lot of stuff happens in indie wrestling because um, nobody's in this for the money, to be frank. Um, the, the finances really aren't there in, in indie wrestling for – you know, I work a full-time job. I'm an attorney outside of indie wrestling. Um, so a lot of things that happen sometimes are just because it's like, if I'm going to put my time, energy, and money into this, um, I like this idea. I'm going to see if it works, kind of regardless of other thoughts. So, you know, drawing is not always your first thought. Sometimes it is storytelling. Mm -hmm. So there is a balance there. Um, and, and, you know, you, you, you do have to take chances, and we, we've taken our fair share of chances. But... I, it's always kind of a, a struggle because everybody else on the PPW team wants to do more surprises than I do. Generally, I'm generally the conservative <laughs> one on that aspect. I've kind of gone through every, all my notes. So my, my biggest one, the last thing I have, uh, and it's the main reason I even know knew about paradigm before, uh, we read you guys, anything like that. Uh, let's talk about the Bev. Uh, yeah, let's talk about Bobby. I love Bobby. Um, I, I'm glad to see he's finally getting some, uh, you know, more buzz and publicity. Uh, but I've known Bev for a long time. Um, so when I lived up in Cleveland um, for graduate school, I actually also trained with Matt Justice uh, in wrestling. And Bev was around there and we met there. Um, and so we brought in Matt in 2018. And he's like, yo, can I bring Bobby? With and you know that 440 video where they're all real excited. They're like, Bobby's coming? Bobby? Yeah. <laughs> That was like my real life reaction. Um, but I was also like in the middle of going through a lot of stuff in my personal life. So like when he talks about like we forgot that we booked him for the first show, that's actually a shoot. <laughs> so like I'm very, very excited that Bev is coming in. And I tell Matt, yes, tell Bev to come to next month because, you know, he's talking to us at a show. I've got a million other things going on. I'm like, absolutely. I will find something for Bobby Beverly. I, I love that guy. 
then I forgot. So Matt hits me up like a week before the show. He's like, so are you going to announce a match for Bev? And I'm just like, ah, fuck. <laughs> um, so th- that's where that story comes from of uh, him being the forgotten one for like a year for us was <laughs> kind of a shoot. Um, but Bev's really, really talented. I, I love uh, both the lifers. Matt and Bev are two of my favorite people um, as far as in ring and just total package goes. But you know, I've been a fan of Bev uh, since you know the days when I was going to AIW, and I, I believed in Bev, and you know I was excited to see what he could do. Um, so though we forgot about him the first time, he ended up in a scramble, I think, because we didn't have anything else for him the, the first month. We started giving him you know better matches thereafter, um, and I, he actually worked Ace Austin. Uh, Interestingly enough, at one of our early shows, I'm not even sure. It was so early. It might have predated us being on IWTV. I think we might have released it in part one of our PPW unreleased things. But he has this like hell of a match against Ace Austin. And this is before Ace Austin was a deal signed to Impact, X Division Champion and all that. And I'm just like, man, Bev's really good. I don't know what to do with him, but Bev's really good. Um, so at this time, Matt pitches to me because we don't really have a direction for Matt at this point either. Which is hard to believe now because, you know, Matt and Bev are so central to a lot of the stories we've told, a lot of the promoting we've done in the last two years. When we initially brought him in, we didn't really have a direction for him. Um, And Matt's like, you know, Bev and I tag sometimes. Why don't you guys use us as a tag team? And I'm like, all right, we'll give that a shot. So we decided to give that a shot. And, you know, the natural feud there is the rejects, John Wayne Murdoch and Reed Bentley. um, Because all of them hit hard, like to do hardcore. Mm -hmm. Um, So we make that kind of... Uh, our big feud and that kind of carries us for a good part of 2019 Uh, you know matt had a separate match with well let me backtrack before even that so the next time we bring in matt and bev the next time or a month after that they actually work each other and matt gets shoot knocked out in the in the match uh he goes to do his jerry lynn dive off the apron um and hits concrete and shoot knocked out we had to stop the match but this is a really tough market to get over in. These crowds of, you know, IWA Mid-South runs here. So short of sudden somebody on fire, it, it can be hard to get a reaction from some of the regular fans. Mm-hmm. Matt becomes super, super over from that. And Bev gets kind of residually over from being in that match as well because like they're like, oh, this guy will die for this. Um, and as crazy as that sounds, like that's what it took in this market. So they get over from that. Matt pitches them becoming a tag team from that. Um, so they do. They go into the feud with the rejects, and they ended up picking up the tag title belts from the rejects, and it kind of carries us. Um, you know, at this point, they're probably our most over faces in PPW from, you know, that knockout match. It's them, uh, you know, the rejects are right there, AJ Grace champion, and we kind of have like a top five that we're set on, um, and that carries us for a good little portion. Uh, but then, you know, Matt starts getting a lot of really exciting booking offers. And we're like, yeah, no, you should take this. We understand it conflicts with the date. Uh, but yeah, you should definitely go. And so we're like, all right, we got to break them up. Um, so we decide we're going to we're gonna go in this direction of Matt versus Bev. And that's how that feud originally started. Um, the pandemics, Bev had an injury. Like, it got delayed a little bit. Mm-hmm. But that's kind of why we went into that direction. Um, and that was going to be kind of our main direction. And at the time, I was like, this would have been late 2019 we decided we want to position bev as our top heel um so we have him do this angle where he's going this is before we had the heavy hitters title before uwfi was a major thing for us before we were kind of like two brands Mm -hmm. uh we decide you know let's see what bev can do if we give him the belt so we set up this feud where he actually attacks cole radrick who was champion at the time uh, lays him out attacks me and leaves with the title belt like to do this stolen thing and then the next month cole was going to drop to him because the whole angle we did was we ended up having to strip the lifers of the tag team titles because I'm kind of telling this out of order. I'm sorry. I'm a really terrible storyteller. <laughs> uh, but we, we have to strip the lifers of the tag titles because we can't go get them both on the same show at the same time. They're both still working our shows, but the schedules just aren't aligning so that they're both there at the same time. Mm-hmm. Um, so can't defend the belts with that. So we strip them and we do this whole angle where we say – we're looking forward to seeing Matt justice and his tag team partner when they can come back. Um, and we make Matt the number one contender coming off of it. And we don't even mention Bev, right? So <laughs> that's, that's Bev's motivation to then come in at the next show after he's just been stripped of the tag title. Cause he's been stripped because Matt can't make the show. 
right? That's his motivation. He never lost the title in the ring to turn heel and attack Cole, steal, steal the title, and just kind of walk out with it. And he was then going to win the title the next month. He was going to pick it up because the match had been announced already. It was going to be Cole Radrick versus Matt Justice for the title. Bev was going to insert himself and make it a three-way, and he was going to pick up the title there. Um, but then, of course, the pandi- Cole gets injured, and then the pandemic happens. Um, so a lot of those plans kind of got put on hold, shifted, changed. Uh, but when we came back with Heavy Hitters 2, I'm just, um, I've got this tournament, and I'm like, all right, I've got Chris Dickinson, I've got Tom Lawler in this tournament, I've got Stephen Bonner in this tournament, I've got Matt Justice in this tournament, I've got all these names, Eric Stevens in this tournament, Dominic Guarini. Um, I'm going to make this guy a heel immediately. I'm going to put him over in this tournament, right? <laughs> we want him to be a top heel. Well, let's watch as he beats every member of indie wrestling that exists. Um, <laughs> So that was kind of the game plan there. Um, and I pitched to him kind of, I don't remember, know if you watched early Ring of Honor, but Xavier was one of, I believe, their second champion. Got a lot of heel heat from the internet because people are like, why is he the champion? He shouldn't mm-hmm. be the champion. You know, Christopher Daniels should be the champion. Uh, uh, Daniel Bryan should be the champion. He got a lot of that kind of heat. And I'm like, I bet you we can get the same kind of reaction with Bev. And we do. Um, and you know, Bev becomes, you know, a p- really good heel for us. Um, so that's kind of how that started um, with that push. And it was really exciting. Like, you know, he dropped the title to Dom uh, at our Grand Prix. He, you know, he's been champion for months and he loses it in about 20 seconds, uh, which was Bev's idea, incidentally. Um, I knew it was. This- <laughs> I was talking to Dom about it. I was like, that's a Bev thing. Like, I, I totally get it. It makes sense. He's He's got that. That's he's so smart for for stuff like that but at the same time i'm like yeah he's gonna work this other match i was like if he's gonna lose he might as well just lose in 20 seconds it'll make dom look better and and save dom like the the (laughs) trouble of having a whole other match no exactly and like it just gets such a good reaction uh you know that's one of that and then hoodfoot winning the title on that Mm -hmm. show the 2020 grand prix i think is some of the best crowd reactions we've ever had as far as like it's seeming like real genuine excitement um, and those were like two really great moments. Uh, and you know, now he's in four, four Oh, and he started to get, Bev's been really good for, you know, a decade plus. I'm really glad to see him getting that recognition, being in four, four Oh, getting some more high profile week, uh, bookings, getting to show out mania weekend. Uh, cause he's really good. You know, he's a really humble guy yeah. um, who doesn't realize how good he is. So he, is. he pitched to me, um, on, in my interview I did with him at the beginning of the year, the old man Bev uh, character. And like, I'm kind of bummed that we're not going to fully see that like happen uh, because of uh, him joining four, four. I mean, if we do, it'll be obviously much later, but I feel like sure. there was something so cool there that I feel like he was on the verge of like this really neat character. And like, we're seeing some of it with, with his four, four Oh stuff, but not to the full extent of what he had in mind. And I feel like if that would have been unleashed on everybody, I think that it would have just been, it would have been massively just so good for him. I think that he could have, I don't know if he would have had the recognition right away that he got with four, four Oh, but I feel like it would have made him a name to, to maybe get out there a little bit more, maybe in the next year at a slower pace, but I think it would have been huge for him. We were trying to start that storyline, and that was part of the deal with him kind of destroying Miles and then losing that controversial match to Lexus Mm -hmm. when the 440 thing came up. Um, So obviously we switched directions a little bit. There are still some aspects of it coming up, but I'm with you. I really liked that character idea. Um, And, you know, I liked the the Forgotten One gimmick. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I will say that that's probably you know the godforsaken slums of youngstown ohio is a me thing um <laughs> he agreed to it because bev's a nice guy but i'm like man i've been to youngstown it's kind of a shithole no offense to y'all uh and i'm like i can't believe people still live there if, I, if i'm being real honest um and again this is somebody who coming from somebody who lived for five years in east cleveland and i go to youngstown and i'm like i don't feel safe here <laughs> uh i live probably like I don't know, 20, 30 minutes north of it. It's not, it's not terrible, but, uh, I, I was very apprehensive for the longest time going there. Cause you hear stories and then like, I've gone there several times. I've never had a problem. So I just, you know, I, I'll just say I had one of my good friends in law school was from Youngstown. 
And um, I used to be a bit more, uh, what we'll say, adventurous. I used to do a lot of partying, uh, for lack of a better term. Uh, so I saw some shit in Youngstown, <laughs> I think was probably cover- coloring part of that. Um, but I'm like, man, let, let's lean into that, that Youngstown thing. You're forgotten. Um, you know, let's lean into the shoot aspect of it and let's play up the Youngstown thing. And like, you're just going to be this guy that continually gets shit on by the promotion, but keeps winning these matches. Um, Cause we also had him uh, into AJ Gray's undefeated streak, yeah, um, which was like part of the, he was still a face at that point, but that was part of the slow burn of turning him heel was at the time AJ Gray was our champion and hadn't lost in a year and a half. Uh, and we book him in a nine title match against Bev and Bev goes over him clean. And like, that was kind of to start the, the slow burn. Cause we figured the crowd would not like that. The crowd would be upset by that. So that was kind of the, the start of the slow burn of it mm-hmm. was just, we're going to make him into this big match character that wins these matches and people just get mad, but he never gets any of this respect. Um, so there's been, I think some of it probably got lost because Around along the way, like heavy hitters too, we became um, we got a much wider audience. We got bigger platforms that we're seen on now. So like a lot of the backstory of that character and that feud with Matt happened when we had a lot less viewers. Right. So some sometimes I wonder if some of it was lost in translation. But um, you know, it's going on three years strong now. Um, if you saw UWFI contenders last week, we're going back to it. Yeah, I was. Uh... I enjoyed last week's episode and uh, I can't wait for this week's episode because uh, I saw that uh, he's, he's getting his title match this week. So he has, and he has vowed to leave PPW if he does not win. Um, and he's going against Bellator MMA veteran, uh, Matt Mikowski, uh, who just won the title from Hoodfoot. So, uh, I'm excited for people to see that. It's a really good, it's a really good match. Um, and just in general that, that series, but like, I'm really appreciative to how receptive the internet wrestling community has been um, to Paradigm. The, you know, 2020 was a really tough year for everybody in indie wrestling. But to be honest, um, it was probably the best year we ever had, not financially, because mm-hmm. um, we took some licks on having to cancel and reschedule shows. But as far as like being able to draw, oddly enough, um, getting fan interest, getting some buzz, um, you know, we were in the right place at the right time, I suppose. Um, Indiana being a little bit more lax. And uh, so the smartest thing I did, this is unrelated, but I'm going to go into this tangent anyway because I've drank two energy drinks before this podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Smartest thing I did in 2020 was in January, I bought an annual insurance policy of 2020. So we have to have event event insurance for some of the venues we run. So I bought this annual policy to save, you know, like 20%. Because a lot of the issues that people ran into in the summer when things started to open up a lot was it was impossible to get insurance um, at a rate that was decent, you know, because they, the liability aspects of running in this environment and things of that. So I had the policy already mm-hmm. and I'm like, I can run, right? But I got to figure out how to not get this policy canceled. Um, so I reached out to our insurance representative and I'm like, yo, what do I do? Because the state of Indiana is giving me no guidelines. We didn't even have a mass mandate in place at this point. Um, and I'm pretty much being told I can do what I want by the state. Like Indiana is being asked backwards about a lot of things. Um, and they're like, the state's giving me no guidance, no guidelines. They got better about that as the pandemic went on, but mm-hmm. I wanted to do this safe. You know, if we were going to run, I wanted to do it safe. Right. My insurance policy sent me like the 60 page, like guidebook of things I should do if I'm going to promote a live event. Um, and you know, part of it is I want to be safe. Another part of it is I don't want to lose my insurance policy because they flat tell me, you know, they're canceling policies left and right for event promoters that are trying to run right now because they do a lot of concert stuff. And this is around the same time that stuff's happening in like South Dakota. They're having super spreader events. Right. And I'm like, that's not my energy at all. I want to run because I want to give these place guys uh, some work. I need to run a show for my own personal sanity. Um, so we followed all the guidelines to it, and that's kind of the template we've used going forward. Um, so we were able to be there. You know, we were one of the the first. We weren't the first, but we were one of the first major shows, one of the first major live streams, uh, kind of when wrestling restarted, uh, and that gave us such great momentum. We've kind of been running off of it for you know the last year. So that was completely unrelated to where you started. I apologize. <laughs> no, it's fine. Go for it, man. That's uh, you know. 
I like, uh, this has been really fun and, uh, I, I wasn't sure what to expect. Like I, I haven't really talked to, um, anybody that, that promoted before. So like, I've, I've only really talked to, to wrestlers. So like I have like a set thing you could really talk to them about. Uh, so this has been really fun kind of just picking your brain on different stuff and, and hearing different stuff. So. Well, if you talk to certain other promoters, you still haven't talked to a real promoter. Jeez, <laughs> oh, <laughs> I'll leave that one there. Uh, <laughs> but no, I appreciate you having me on. I'm I'm really excited about the things we're doing for PPW. Um, you know, this is a passion project for all of us. Um, no hook, UWFI contenders. We're all working our asses off to try and you know make something happen here. Yeah, I'm uh, very excited for some of the stuff coming up. Um, one of the i know one of the projects that was like uh that was has been filmed already uh, is a match between billy starks and uh, everett connors and i cannot yes. wait to see that match um i sponsored that match and as soon as i saw it i was like i have to sponsor this like this is just awesome i love i love both of them and i can't wait to see that match so that's gonna be great that whole show is great um we've got a, a lot a lot of uh bullets in the chamber I, that's a terrible metaphor, but sure. Bullets in the chamber as far as unreleased content. Um, kind of the attitude we took towards that was we got all these people that want to work. We've got all these marquee matchups we can make. Um, what happens if we don't save anything, right? Because I think the general mentality would be to go conservative. Like, let's wait and do this when we can sell some tickets, have a crowd. Mm-hmm. We're like, we have kind of some attention right now on us. Um, so let's fire everything we got. Um, and that's what we did. Uh you know, shout out to our commentary team that legitimately commentated 72 matches in one weekend. Was That's that the, not an exaggeration. Was that the same weekend that the uh, basement was flooded? Yes. <laughs> yes. We f- we filmed UWFI Season 2 on a Friday, and we filmed No Hook Season 2 on a Saturday. Um, and then the Everett Connors match that you mentioned prior to that um, took place at a, a different taping. But yeah, that weekend in February, we filmed 72 matches. Yeah, once a span of about forty eight hours. Once I heard the basement was flooded and everybody was like, uh, like that that happened, I was like, oh no. But going back to Bev, like he just asked him like, hey, how was this? And he's like, ah, you know, this is great. Like, all right, man. He's a really humble guy too. Um, He has a really good mind for wrestling, though. He does. Um, I like picking his mind in the car when we uh, used to drive this one promotion up this way. Uh, I would like just we would talk wrestling and then like I would come at him with like my, my, my smarkiness and he'd just be like, well, no, this is, this is why it's this way. Like, or like he'd hit me with some inside information. Like, Oh, that makes sense. (laughs) Yeah. And he's, he can put things together too. And he has been like a saving grace for me too. When I get like real worked up about something as far as like, no, this just makes sense. Just do it like this and chill the fuck out. Um, (laughs) He never says it that aggressively, but that that's kind of the honest truth of what happens. Uh, before our first UWFI show, I was just like freaking out. And Bev was like, um, why don't you just call Eric Stevens and ask him all of your questions? He knows everything about this. Uh, I, I talked to him at AIW. He's like, I know nothing, so don't talk to me about this yet. Just yet. Talk to Eric. And then Eric, ended up, Eric and Dom ended up putting agenting that show, and uh, Eric helped me write it. Um, so uh, that I never would have made that connection to think why don't i ask one of the older roster members that grew up watching this as well to help mm-hmm. um so his mind is even he knows when he knows something and he knows when he doesn't know something as well which believe it or not is less common than you'd think in wrestling everybody knows everything in wrestling myself <laughs> included of course i was i was jaded early on i had uh there was a local promoter and uh i'd befriended and was helping him with stuff and like i'd go like flyer with him and like do all that stuff i helped like run uh camera and stuff for his shows and uh he really jaded me with a lot of stuff like i really hated indie wrestling after like being around it and seeing the the back half of it for like six months and sure. it just it made me like one it made me fear for everybody because i got hurt i was training at the same time and i ended up breaking my neck in like my first week oh uh, shit. so yeah and bev was in the ring when this happened like he he was there when it happened and like so we have a funny story with it uh i ended up being fine like i, I didn't have to have surgery like it healed okay like i'm i'm all good but uh so like we always joke about that anytime uh anytime we see each other we always joke about that but just like the, like how he 
how that person like brought everything to me and like explained stuff to me and like really like let me in to, to know everything. Like it also made me hate everything to where I didn't, I, I hated everything for the longest time. And like, it took me a long time to become a fan again. And I think with podcasting, that's where I, it turned me again to where I enjoyed way more than, than I did then. And like, I just, I know that information, but it doesn't, jade me to the fact of like you know how things kind of go so no that's very fair like I, I i don't think there's anybody in indie wrestling that hasn't quit at least six times um because the underside of it can be pretty bad um or like you know the downfalls of it myself included um you know we were on the verge of shutting down before the pandemic happened that was actually one of the better things that happened to us as far as timing of things went but if you want a recommendation, the only promotion I can really just watch truly as a fan anymore is they're also on IWTV. It's called Emerge Wrestling. Uh, they run out of Columbus, Indiana. Okay. I go up there whenever they run a show. They've only run a couple since the pandemic, I think. But even prior to that, like when I just need an escape, I just want to watch some wrestling. I just watch those. It's not super indie. It's very much a traditional kind of territory. That's my escape. I go, I watch those shows, and like I'm just a fan again for a couple of hours. And it's nice because it is hard. You know, when you've been involved in the business, some it's it's hard to stay a fan of it sometimes. I meet so many wrestlers that hate wrestling, and I, I understand it to an extent. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's yeah. I just for the longest time I was just miserable with it. And it's like, it's miserable to hate something that you love so much. And it just, Oh, it, I couldn't put it into words. It just, I don't know. And like, I'm just happy now that like, I get to do stuff like this and like, it's just much better, much better of a headspace to be in. And I'm, I'm thankful for that. So you mentioned podcasting. So Jayhawk is your co-host, right? Yes. So I've never met him in person, but we actually used to frequent the same online message board in the early 2000s. I remember that name. <laughs> it was called like the smartmarks.com, I want to say it was. Probably, yeah. Uh, so if, if that ever comes up. Th- that's how when I first saw, because I came across you guys because you reviewed one of our shows. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was like the first time I was like, I think I kind of know that guy. And it took me a second to place like, oh, yeah, that was his handle on a message board <laughs> that I used to read when I was a teenager. Yeah, it's fun seeing like uh, I've actually had that happen with uh, CZW fans and like seeing people on Twitter now that have like some, the similar handle to what it was on there. And I'm like, ah, that's who that person is. And uh, yeah, I luckily don't have the same name on there. Like it's I've, I've gone closer to my real name, so they probably will never know that it was me. But yeah. <laughs> Sure. Same. And I was always more of a lurker than a commenter on message boards. Um, and I still do it to an extent. I do run our Twitter account now for the most part. So I do more interactions than I used to, but I'm always curious to see what people are saying. I thinking like there's good downsides and good things to the IWC, but I'm not one of those promoters that's going to hate on it. Um, you know, sometimes they like what I do. Sometimes they hate what we do and that's fine. You know, everybody's going to have their opinion, but sometimes they've got some good ideas. Yeah. And we've used some of them. I'm not even going to lie. <laughs> well, Jayhawk has never had a good idea, so don't don't ever use anything he comes up with. So I'm just... Pro- probably a fair point. <laughs> <laughs> All right, man. Uh, thank you so much for doing this. Uh, do you have any plugs before uh, we, we end this? Oh, uh, yeah. Um, our website is ParadigmProWrestling.com. We are at Twitter at ParadigmProWrest. Because believe it or not, when we signed up for the account, Paradigm Pro Wrestling was somehow taken, even though there is no other Paradigm Pro Wrestling. Um, On Facebook, at Paradigm Pro Wrestling as well. Uh, We have a ton of shows coming up. We're going to be back in Sellersburg, Indiana on May 21st. We've got Pawcade this Saturday in Salem, Indiana. We've got uh, a middleweight UWFI tournament on June 4th in Jeffersonville, Indiana. We will have more information. Uh, We're going to be in Columbus, Ohio in June. We'll have information about that released within the next week or two um and keep your eyes peeled you know if you want to see us come to a different city or a town let us know and that's kind of one of our goals right now is to get out there so um thank you all for listening right on man thank you i appreciate it
so much older now.